0: Here's the problem, it's aging. Aging cells cause Alzheimer's to actually come to fruition. Then we look at the disease that has a multitude of symptoms. And then finally, we look at beta amyloid plaques. And when you're trying to create a drug for that, you're basically just trying to slow a disease. But if you go up the level to aging, and you treat aging, you're not only keeping people from getting Alzheimer's, you're keeping them from getting cancer and heart disease.
1: Welcome to the Seamlund Podcast. I'm your host, Seamlund, and our guest today is Liz Parrish. Liz is the founder and CEO of BioViva, which is a company committed to extending human lifespan using techniques such as gene and cell technologies. Liz Parrish became the first person worldwide to take dual gene therapies for treating aging this episode is brought to you by bio optimizers magnesium breakthrough magnesium is one of the most important minerals in your body and it's involved in hundreds of processes starting with energy production and ending with cognition magnesium deficiency increases the risk of insulin resistance and cardiovascular disease what's worse up to 70 to 80 percent of people are not getting enough magnesium because our food contains about 25 to 35 percent less magnesium than a few decades ago I think magnesium is one of the few nutrients almost everyone would need more of that's why i use magnesium breakthrough that contains seven of the main magnesium types it's the most full spectrum magnesium supplement out there head over to the show notes of this episode at seamlund.com forward slash 223 to get a link for a 10 percent discount off magnesium breakthrough that's seamlund.com forward slash 223. liz welcome to the show
0: thank you for having me
1: yeah it's uh very, uh, I, I think a lot of people are interested in gene therapy or it's a very cutting edge thing and not a lot of people not aware of what it is. So maybe let's maybe start off uh, like um, what, what kind of a uh, gene therapy are you involved with?
0: Right. So um, just to give people a little bit of background of what gene therapy is, gene therapy is the removal or addition of a therapeutic gene uh, that makes the organism healthier. And so in our work, uh, we look at genes for treating biological aging. So genes that make people younger, and those exist. And so um, this is a really exciting time uh, for people to get involved in the science behind that. So we look at the hallmarks of aging, the things that happen at the cellular level that make people old. And um, we try to target the hallmarks of aging with therapeutic genes that reverse those hallmarks. So we might work with something like uh, telomerase induction. Telomeres are the ends of the chromosomes, and they get shorter as you get older, and we have a technology that can lengthen those. But we also look at gene therapies that kind of blur the lines between physical enhancement and uh, preventative medicine, such as uh, follistatin, which is a gene therapy that will increase your muscle mass.
1: Mm, right. Yeah, that's uh, very like uh, <laughs> sci-fi for a lot of people. And you know, th- you know, in in a very simplistic terms, it does make sense that uh, you have these genes, and if you could, like change, if you have like different kinds of genes, then you express or you have like different outcomes in terms of your health and longevity. Uh, uh... Right.
0: So if you look at somebody who is like Hussein Bolt, who can run uh, faster than most people on the planet, or you look at someone like maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger, who uh, Mm -hmm. can uh, build more muscle mass uh, with less addition of um, maybe um, some stimulants to do that than the rest of the population, you're looking at uh, genetic (laughs) abnormalities. Uh, abnormal genetic construction. So uh, sorry, <laughs> I just cannot talk this morning. It's still early for me. But um, the so you're looking at people who are enhanced in comparison to the rest of the population. So um, what we would like to do is kind of even the playing field, uh, make these sort of uh, genetic abilities uh, available to everyone so that people are in generally better health, but also look at gene therapies that provide uh, benefit for the biggest unmet need on the planet, which is biological aging. Mm. So a lot of people think that gene therapy is like a a technology that is... mm, Uh, Very new, maybe hasn't been done in humans, but in fact, there's already five regulated past gene therapies for use in humans, and they're considered a one-time treatment for a lifetime cure for some pretty serious uh, deadly diseases. So um, we're just basically piggybacking on uh, that ability of technology to... um, be able to actually use it for the biggest unmet need, which is something more complex, uh, such as biological aging. The Mm -hmm. difference between treating biological aging and the diseases that they're treating now are the diseases that are being treated right now with gene therapy are considered monogenic diseases, meaning it's a single gene mutation. One gene has a faulty character, and you can replace it with a healthy copy of a gene and have a therapeutic benefit. When we're looking at aging, we're looking at what's called a polygenic or multiple gene uh, cascading effect that causes biological aging. And so it's more difficult. It will take us longer, but we have, yes, we have embarked on upon trying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's uh, worth to worth, uh, worth try <laughs> for sure.
0: Definitely. And I, and I think that we can do it. I think that vastly um, we need to remove our risk aversion Uh, to therapeutic treatment to people in the greatest need and that will in fact um, alleviate much of the problem of translation. So today we're looking at the biggest embarkment of gene therapy in the world with the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines and the, the vaccine out of Oxford Biomedica. Those are gene therapies. Okay. Those are short acting gene therapies. They use messenger RNA and that is a downstream effect of gene therapy itself. So we're looking at 4 billion people potentially taking a vaccine uh, within the next year. And that is uh, fantastic news because it will turn people onto the technology of the, the potential reparative effects. Now when we're treating something like a disease state, it's not necessarily like a vaccine, uh, but um, it is very similar, it would be vaccinating you against the processes of aging. Um, But the reason that these technologies could come so fast to market was because they are gene-based technologies. They are gene therapy-based technologies, which is an exact science. It's not like the old science where you take a bunch of small molecules and you try to have a net effect on a disease of a symptom of a disease, this is simply creating the protein at the cellular level that upregulates um, the effect that you're looking for. Mm. So the reason that uh, these immunizations for COVID were able to be developed so quickly, uh, rather than taking uh, years and years of development, was because they're gene-based technologies. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. I think maybe it would be easier for people to also understand like how does the gene therapy work? Like, uh, you know, <laughs> how does, how can you change your genes? So to say like people think that you know they're born with their genes. So how can you like edit them?
0: Yeah. So, um, so, okay. <clears throat> Let's just go back to the basics. So the cells in your body have a nucleus and the nucleus holds all of your genes. So Your whole body, actually, every cell that has genes in them have the same genes. But there's something called epigenetics that tell those genes to um, behave differently. For instance, that's why your nose looks different than your lips um, and other parts of your body. Those are epigenetic changes that are telling those cells to only uh, upregulate certain genes. Okay, So the genes. Transcribe proteins and the proteins and enzymes and hormones are what make you. So, um, you being male and me being female, um, you know, your hair being a different color than mine, our eyes potentially being a different color. Mine are green, yours are probably blue. Um, all of that are how the genes transcribe, it's the proteins that the genes make. And so when we're looking at a therapeutic protein, we're looking at a gene that creates that protein that then upregulates some sort of regeneration. So -hmm. what is aging? It's degeneration over time. We degenerate over time. We become older, our cells break down, our mitochondria don't function, our telomeres get shorter, our muscles waste and become less supple. Um, We're looking at genes that then reverse those processes and make the body more like it was when it was more youthful mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll even do better than that i mean the the human of the future is not um synonymous with a 25 year old today the human of the future is more than that the human mm. of the future regenerates faster than they degenerate
1: hmm. so we become like a <laughs> we we uh re- reverse engineer ourselves into like a cell or something <laughs> take it we, we,
0: would, we would be um, ultimately healthy. Uh, right. So one of the, the things that is really staggering, people say, well, what does that mean? Uh, what does ultimate health mean? And if you look at the uh, World Health Organization's definition of health, it's actually quite startling what they expect uh, health to be. And it, it is just being in a complete state of health, both physically and mentally. And mm-hmm. that's something that uh, most people on the planet are not in today. Um, uh, mental illness is uh, rampant as are uh, a, a variety of diseases.
1: Mm-hmm. So Yeah, so m- maybe it would be like uh, some examples of these chronic diseases. Uh, like you can maybe edit some of your genes that regulate your risk of cardiovascular disease or uh, r- regulate your risk of uh, diabetes and those other things. Then,
0: yeah, exactly. So you know the biggest killers being heart disease, cancer, and dementias. Um, you know, followed up by um, COPD, which is which which are breathing disorders. And obviously accidents in hospitals and and car accidents and things like that are up there, but they are not as big of killers as heart disease and cancer and dementia. And so when you're looking at those, historically, what we've done in uh, pharmaceuticals is create mm, small molecules that have an effect on the downstream effect of those diseases. So for instance, if you're looking at dementia, uh, often... uh, the biggest section of dementia is Alzheimer's. Uh, pharmaceuticals would be designed to try to alleviate beta amyloid plaques. Okay, so there's one example. So those are plaques that start to uh, build up in the brain uh, and cause, they, they think are, are a causative effect of, you know, the cognitive decline of dementia. Mm -hmm. and Alzheimer's. So pharmaceuticals got together and they said, well, let's remove the beta amyloid plaques from the brain. Let's see how we can do that. But if you look at the layers of, here's the problem, it's aging. Aging cells cause Alzheimer's to actually come to fruition. Then we look at the disease that has a multitude of symptoms. And then finally, we look at beta amyloid plaques. And when you're trying to create a drug for that, you're basically just trying to slow a disease. But if you go up the level to aging and you treat aging, you're not only keeping people from getting Alzheimer's, you're keeping them from getting cancer and heart disease. So now science has really turned its eye on the aging cell. And almost every paper now that comes out about Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or uh, cancer or... um, heart disease talks now about the aging cell and the processes of the aging cell and those are the processes that we're after
1: Hmm. yeah that's a big like a paradigm shift that has happened over the past past few years or so that instead of looking at the diseases uh, themselves or like the symptoms uh, you look at the root cause which is like aging so to say because as you get older then the risk of all the diseases increases like the risk of cancer and cardiovascular disease and uh, obesity those things increase as you get older because of you know this grand phenomenon of aging itself so if you kind of figure out what is causing the cells to become older and you fix that so then uh, yeah you can just uh, re- prevent these diseases from uh, getting uh, initiated in the first place
0: yeah exactly um that's the that's the most simplest way to put it and that's fantastic i'm glad that you're relaying that to people because it's when, once people understand the simplicity, now curing aging is difficult, but the simplicity of the process of, of targeting aging rather than a symptom of a symptom. So Alzheimer's being a symptom of aging and then beta amyloid plaques being a long, you know, way downstream effect of aging. Um, then you, know, you realize that um, in fact, uh, you know, we, we've been doing it wrong. Uh, mm. We really need to target the aging cell.
1: Yeah. So, so what would be like some of the like characteristics of uh, aging or the hallmarks that you mentioned?
0: Right. So, some of them would be uh, mitochondrial dysfunction, uh, which is greatly helped by a gene therapy called PGC one alpha. It's also great, uh, greatly affected by telomerase induction. Uh, t- telomeres, short telomeres. The so you have a finite amount of cellular divisions. It's called the Hayflick limit. And now several uh, categories of species have been directly uh, correlated with their telomere length and their lifespan. So a bowhead well living to 250 years is correlated with the number of cellular divisions that they can get out of a uh, cell from one of those animals. And humans are also limited by a cellular division of about 50. And Mm. so what happens is as the cells divide, the telomeres get shorter and shorter. And when they get critically short, cells go into something called senescence, which is another hallmark of aging. And that just means that they're no longer going to divide. Unfortunately, they tend to send off uh, inflammatory cytokines to the cells around them, making them more likely to turn senescent. And senescent cells are something that we're very familiar with seeing. Uh, you might look at someone who is very old and they have thin, shiny skin. Those are those are senescent cells. They, they are more likely to wrinkle. Uh, mm. They don't have the beneficial effect of healthy, robust cells. Uh, more of the hallmarks of aging are things like intracellular and extracellular communication that breaks down over time. And then uh, glycation. Uh, glycation is the buildup of uh, uh intracellular junk and garbage that essentially uh, just gums up the system and, and makes things uh, more difficult. Mm-hmm. I can definitely send you uh, one of the charts of the hallmarks of aging, but these are the things that we go after. And you can see, as I discussed, things like lengthening telomeres targets the most hallmarks of aging of any therapy. It, okay. it affects uh, the telomere attrition, it affects mitochondrial function, and um, it ca- affects the senescent cell process, but it doesn't target all of them. And so that, that has been our uh, work at Rutgers University to devise the multi gene delivery system that will target all of the uh, hallmarks of aging. And that's a that's a work in progress. That'll take us uh, many years to do. Okay.
1: Yeah. So it's a like a it's a matter of uh, you know damage versus repair and uh, rejuvenation. So to say so we. We get older and the damage accumulates and we are like the repair mechanisms get weaker and uh, more uh, not not enough not in, inadequate so to say that we don't we're not able to recover from the damage that we uh, experience
0: yeah it's kind of like if you think of it as cleaning your house you know when you're young uh, you might be sloppy <laughs> about it uh, but you eventually get really good at understanding that you want to live in a clean environment. But as you get older and older, it is harder and harder to keep up on cleaning a house. And pretty soon, the roof caves in, the the walls start to leak, the pipes are bursting, and you know, you 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 need to be able to do all those things. But the cells becoming older and older and incapable of doing those things. Yeah, uh,
1: but what is like the current um, uh, you know situation with gene therapy, like a what kind of uh, idiots have been made or like has it, has, has it been seen to be effective and how does it affect like the people, a actual people?
0: Yeah, so we will uh, have some of our first human uh, results this year, uh, based on a study that was done with a with our exclusive partner company called Integrative Health Systems and dementia patients. And so we're looking forward to having that released. Um, that should be out by March or April. And um, so far, it appears that the therapies are safe and in persons, and that um, now we're just waiting to see what sort of beneficial results we can get. We're already seeing some benefits there. uh, But I can't talk too much about that until the biostatisticians go through all the work and, and write the paper. Right. We've got two papers that will come out this year. One of them will be on our research and development with our viral vector delivery method in order to, we're starting to design up to multi-gene delivery system. And the second one will be um, about how, how, how patients are doing in the, in the first major study that we've accomplished.
1: Right uh and i'm sure like a lot of people are afraid of like the uh, negative side effects or some uh, potential side effects like if you mess things up accidentally or something then uh, you have like some i don't know mutations or something
0: (laughs) yeah well you know gene therapy has become safer and safer now than it had ever been before in the past so in the past they used viral vectors that had issues and they caused um you know off-target effects but today, just like we're seeing with these these new vaccines that are coming through, the the technology is very precise. We're just upregulating the protein that we're targeting. And so um, I believe that we'll see in the next three years that not doing gene therapy is the more risky thing to do as far as aging.
1: Right, yeah. It's because if you have... If
0: you like you die 100% if you don't participate <laughs> in something... Um, and uh, I think that we can uh, bust the odds into much better outcomes just with the technology we have today, but then we'll uh, work that into a more uh, robust technology. And of course, the the hope is right now, they w- anyone would be happy to stop the process of aging or slow the process of aging. That would be a billion dollar industry, right? But we're really trying to target reversing aging uh, because that would have the biggest impact financially and ethically for the whole world
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and uh you know what would be like um some some of the uh initial let's say ways of going about it like uh, would everyone get access to it or is it something only like very select few people get
0: well, I, I believe that everyone would get access to this technology it would make it, you know, governments uh, would um, save trillion dollar um, tax issues by, by treating biological aging and keeping people healthy and younger longer. Mm. Our workforce would be better, it would work longer. We know that um, from anything from the military to space travel to, to just an, an average job here on planet earth, uh, the longer you work, work in a trained position saves companies money, you know, so it, it could, it's not just an ethical thing to do. It's, it's a financial benefit to the whole world. So I believe the technology would be made available to everyone. Hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, like, I, I agree. And yes it's something like some people skeptics would be like that is uh, that is people want to do it just to live longer and be you know immortal or something but yeah like i said it has an ethics thing and financial thing as well so we would be more productive and we would you know just uh be more resourceful uh as a species as a whole and you know we would progress well, sure. our, ourselves faster yeah
0: sure and think about um how much more we might take care of the planet, if people feel more tied to it, that they are going to be here for a very long time. But I mean, people can be skeptical, and they could say, oh, people want to live longer. Well, nobody wants to die. I mean, you know, there there are just basic, like, of course, people want to live longer, talk to an 85 year old who is in stage four cancer, Um, they would wish that they were healthy and they could live longer. Uh, But of course, you know, we have to tie living longer to being more productive and and beneficial to um, this biosphere that we live in. And um, we see time after time that innovation works towards the good of humans. That's why we live as long as we do today. It's why we're concerned about the planet. It's why we know about global climate change is because we're concerned. And Mm -hmm. so giving people the lifespan to actually tackle those problems and be tied directly to them not that they can just use up resources and and die and be gone um, will uh expedite uh, a revolution in uh taking care of this planet and i mean we can say that with uh really um feeling of confidence, because we've seen that historically, the industrial revolution is based on lifespan. Every country's um, industrialization and modernization is based on how long people live. So um, this would hopefully uh, benefit everyone in the world and the planet, which then further benefits everyone in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I, I really believe um, that people work, Towards the betterment, uh, all the time with technologies. That technologies can be used negatively, and a few people might do that, but the vast majority of technology is used for the betterment of humans, and and now hopefully for other species on the planet. It's this type of technology that can alleviate um, some of global climate change. By um, you know George Church, one of our scientific advisors, has looked into bringing the permafrost. Grass back um, that will actually buffer global global climate change. Uh, we can now grow uh, meat uh, in um, uh, based on stem cell technology, which is gene and cell technology to to feed uh, people without using you know 60% of the resources of farmland that, that you know raising cattle does now. Um all, all of this uh, sort of genetic engineering is tied to a, a better, healthier planet and the ability to let the wild come back, to allow, to minimize the use and space of humans so that the wild can come back in its natural way around us again.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, it's it's so true that yeah, you can use technology in a good way and a bad way, and uh, it depends on uh, how you use it. And yeah, like there's always been like uh, some pushback against all kinds of technologies, like even like the steam engine and rail, r- railroads and airplanes, all those things. People were initially very skeptical and, uh, you know, trying to fight the changes. But uh, as, the, as you know, after a while, like no one, uh, no one, you know, would prefer to live in a like a candlelight uh, sort of uh, environment.
0: Yeah, the, the candlelight environment was uh, really cost prohibitive. You know, people would have to put in a whole day's work to afford a candle that might last for two hours. <laughs> and now, you know, today we have, you know, illumination all around us uh, uh, that is that is so inexpensive. And that's how these technologies will roll out. At first, it's expensive. And then it becomes really inexpensive because the cost value exchange is just uh, so great the value is just way higher uh, than the cost then the cost goes down through scale
1: right so so what would be like maybe the some um, theoretical t- timeline for it uh, like when <laughs> would people be expected to have something like that
0: well um, through our partner integrative health systems people have access to these technologies now But unless there's a study that's funded and we're always asking for people to come forward and fund studies, which we just did, we did a six person dementia study that was fully funded. And so it was free to patients outside of pre and post testing and travel. Um, the, the, The technology is still pretty cost prohibitive. Um, but as long as we're allowed to uh, collect this data and we keep people going through the system, uh, we will then take the drugs that have the best benefit to trials, to clinical trials. Clinical trials take about 15 years, so we're asking uh, governments like the U.S. government to allow us to do testing right here on, on U.S. soil instead of having to send people to locations where they can get, get consensual use so we can do it the mo- most safely right here in the U.S. And then we are also asking that there is an expedition in, in drug development, much like we've seen with these COVID vaccines, where within a year we could potentially get out treatments that might treat heart disease and Alzheimer's. And, and uh instead of in 20 years time when you know i mean over 36 million people die a year of aging diseases so i mean it's 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 an atrocity beyond um beyond some of the horrors that we've seen here on the the face of earth uh before that we we call out as being major travesties
1: Hmm. yeah that's for sure Uh, But what about the differences? Like, you know, let's say, you know, let's say you take this uh, gene therapy, you edit your genes that, you know, promote longevity and uh, reduce the risk of diseases. So what about your lifestyle? Like, (laughs) you know, would you still have to be like living the healthy lifestyle or you can just do whatever you like, uh, you know, eat bad food and not exercise and that sort of thing?
0: Well, I know you're a big exerciser and that's fantastic. There are other people who are not as genetically inclined as you are. Um, you are pretty perfectly inclined as a human uh, for your, your gene 101 set. Um, so one of some of the things that we look at is gene therapies that can affect people to put them into a greater state of fitness. Um, let's say if they were massively obese or in terrible shape or they had atrophy of their muscles due to aging or something like cacaxia having gone through uh, cancer treatment. So we can increase them. Um, so uh, the, the, the future human, I hope, Uh, will be active and use their body. And I hope that more people will use their body as we can create more of a robust, healthy, active person out of maybe somebody who was actually quite chronically ill and obese uh, before. But I have to say that we definitely suggest um, lifestyle modifications with gene therapy. now. We're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. We are at the very beginning of this. So we know we can increase muscle mass and uh, we can assume that we can decrease o- obesity. But we're, you know, we don't know if this technology is a curative effect yet, or if more genes need to be involved in making it happen. So let's not talk about it like we've already solved the problem. But for the people who do participate in gene therapy, we suggest that they become rigorous in their exercise on a slow um, uh, upstream basis so that they don't just hurt themselves to begin with, but if you participate in a gene therapy, we suggest that you get active, that you increase your regimen of exercise to a healthy level. We suggest that you eat right. Um, after gene therapy, you might want to eat more calories than you usually do in order to facilitate the genes to, to do their job of regeneration, but um, you know, the idea is to get people living a healthy, healthier lifestyle along with the therapies themselves. So even if the therapies could do most everything, you're still going to need to move your body to gain muscle mass you know and if you move your body you're still going to get a better effect from the gene therapies
1: mm. yeah so it's, it's more like these are predispositions and uh, kind of uh in- inclinations that help you to uh, you know lean towards a certain direction whether that be like increased muscle mass or Uh, better insulin sensitivity also i think uh, so because you know even if nowadays even if people have like good genes for like exercise then they're they're still not going to be building muscle without exercise so they still need to kind of trigger some of the uh, growth
0: yeah I was kind of i was a little bit shocked because a couple papers had come out about statin and mice and the mice not needing to exercise and still gaining muscle mass well the mice were still moving around. They were still active. They're generally more active on flolanstatin. So, you know, I, I just, you know, pause to say um, to anyone who is interested in that kind of gene therapy, you know, you still should move your body. You, you still should uh, exercise. I, I think that it's going to be an important part. And I think, like. a a biomarker that I would love to see in the future, I would feel like we were very successful if we took somebody who was uh, grossly obese and with some health problems and turned them into a mountain climber, you know, (laughs) I think that would be, um, that would be a a good uh, clinical outcome (laughs) that I would love to see uh, happen. And so, you know, but we're, we're still in the very early days, but I would love to find out if people who are uh, genetically predisposed uh, to obesity and uh, a myriad of health uh, defects, if they in fact give the opportunity, uh, would be more active because people um, like you and I, who uh, don't carry as much weight and are more predisposed for those things to be easier for us to do, uh, may not have the same appreciation of the difficulty uh, that it takes those people just to walk across a room.
1: Hmm. yeah Mo- one of the um, muscle growth uh, genes is uh, like myostatin as well that inhibits your body in growing muscle so if you inhibit myostatin then you're gonna grow more muscle so there are like these uh, myost- myostatin deficient mice and dogs and cows that are just super muscular <laughs> and jacked and yeah,
0: they're like- and and that that could be maybe too muscular but that's what folistatin does is it blocks myostatin it's just in the doses that we give it doesn't block it entirely um, because you know then you would have unregulated muscle growth
1: yeah and that can also have like uh, negative side effects in terms of like promoting cancer growth or some other malignancies because you're just growing too much
0: well, I, cancer um, muscle cells are generally pretty um, safe from getting cancer. So, in all of the animal studies, even the non-human primates, uh, so those are the the monkey studies, uh, most simply put, um, varying doses of uh actually did not see any risk in disease. It, they lived longer and healthier, uh, even mm-hmm. the bigger <laughs> monkeys. Oh, yeah. So. Um, Yeah, the and also muscle mass is um correlated with living longer. I I don't know if you know that. So, the more muscle you have, it's kind of like this it's a very sacred uh store of energy for the body. So, if the body was to get really sick, you know, muscle can be broken down as a nutrient to the body. So, as we get older. Um, the ability to get through illness is really important. So some amount of fat stores is important to, your, to older people, definitely. And, and so is muscle.
1: Yeah, like uh, sar- sarcopenia is the age of the muscle loss that uh, you, you lose muscle mass. And that's, that's where you start to see like this uh, increase in obesity and diabetes because you have like less of the muscle mass that keeps your metabolic rate high and uh, keeps you insulin sensitive.
0: Oh, yeah. So, you know, increasing your muscle mass is a really good protection against type two diabetes, the insulin sensitivity definitely goes up with more muscle mass. And so you know, those are sort of the two areas we look at is metabolic disorder and muscle loss attrition over time, which is sarcopenia, like you said, yeah. um, you know, people die of frailty. Uh, my best friend's mom just died uh, last year of uh, falling down. I mean, she just wow. had frailty and um, she was supposed to use a walker and she fell and she hit her head and, and oh. ended her life.
1: Yeah, that's, that's pretty sad. And yeah, like older, older, older people are like more predisposed to just see fractures and uh, that sort of thing.
0: Oh, of- and she was very mentally cognitive, you know, she was doing great in every other way, but she just had this frailty and they said, Oh, you know, you should use assistance walking and um uh you know i mean people don't realize it really does kill you to not yeah. have muscle yeah you yeah. know being stronger smarter faster all of it is is survival
1: yeah absolutely <laughs> but you know you mentioned it uh, already a few times that your genes can also affect like your you know personality or um, kind of psychological traits like you become more motivated to work out or something <laughs> what, what kind of examples would uh, more, more of that be
0: well, one of the genes that we're looking at is called Clotho, and um, I've taken it and several people have taken it now, and it's, it's, for, two, it's for actually three different purposes. Uh, Clotho protects your body against chronic um, kidney disease. Uh, and your kidneys, everyone's kidneys will fail over time. So everyone who's past 65 has a level of, of kidney failure, right? And it just continues as you grow older. Um, it also protects against heart disease. Um, it is a major contributor to protecting against heart disease. But the third thing, and what we're, um, I'm speaking to here, is that it is a cognitive enhancer. And so having the ability of clarity to think faster, to uh, have better recall, to um, have the ability to put uh, ideas together is as vast associated with this cognitive function. And it's the most closely related gene to that. And so that is, is really exciting. It also uh, seems to protect against the deleterious effects of uh, dementia. So um, in people upon autopsy uh, after dying, uh, whom they saw had a massive amount of these beta amyloid plaques that we talked about being associated, the gunk in the brain associated with Alzheimer's, um, the people who didn't have the uh, cognitive uh, di- deleterious effects, people around them didn't know that they had Alzheimer's because they didn't have the uh, cognitive um, association with with the things that happen traditionally with alzheimer's had upregulation of clotho so it protected the brain against those uh, cognitive decline
1: hmm. that's nice <laughs> so but yeah, can, yeah. can you can you like uh change maybe like your uh, way to like learn a particular skill like a language or uh maybe learn your um, yeah, some other, some other, like a uh, mental skill, like in, in terms of like, is it like very specific or, or is it just general? If you increase your general cognition and intelligence, then you can just see any better imp- improvement in all of those things.
0: Well, this is what we're we're hoping to find in in these studies. You know, first of all, we be we will be looking at people who are. Um, already um, in cognitive decline. And we're looking to see if we can improve that cognitive decline. And then as we go, I've I've said this a million times, um, these gene therapies will be used in younger and younger people. And then we will be able to see If uh, those who get a gene therapy who don't are not treating an already substantial disease uh, will have a better cognitive effect and be able to learn tasks faster. Um, Mice definitely can. So they saw an improved uh, cognition of about 20% after the upregulation of the protein. So that's 20% smarter. Think about it that way. And um, for, I know that for, me and a lot of other people were very interested in in that effect.
1: Twenty hmm. percent kind of...
0: would be would be fantastic. You know, a hundred percent would be better. <laughs> yeah. But you know, those are technologies that we'll get to or or learn how to devise out of the same technologies we have today.
1: Yeah. So, what what kind of uh, gene therapies have you taken personally?
0: I have taken uh, the telomerase inducer and the myostatin inhibitor, so the fullastatin and the H-TURT. I took those in 2015 upon launching the company. Um, I did not want to have a company that we were giving out uh, therapeutics or trying to design therapeutics for humans that I hadn't participated in myself. And um, I've also taken more recently the the Clotho and the um, PGC-1-alpha. Hmm. Okay.
1: Anything that you're excited to try out in the future or expecting to try?
0: Oh, I will. I I definitely want to do higher doses of the Clotho um, and maybe more of the PGC1-alpha. I want to do more H-Turt, uh, the telomerase inducer and the myostatin inhibitor. Um, I'm pretty interested in FGF21. Uh, it is uh, pretty... Uh, interesting and george church has about 20 genes well there's some 40 some but there's 20 of those that are are appealing to me and so um that are associated with aging and slowing or stopping or reversing the aging process and so i'm i'm pretty uh flexible and interested in all of the new um technology that is around this but um I particularly like the four genes that that we chose um, as as candidate drugs for the near future.
1: Right, but what about your like baseline genes? Like, have you taken a DNA test and seen like are there good genes bad genes?
0: <laughs> yeah, I have, and um, I, I'm I'm going to do more genetic testing. Um, I have had two genetic testings done, and they have said, for instance, they said that I was not predisposed to Alzheimer's, and I was actually pretty surprised. I'd I'd like to have like a a real uh, clinical evaluation done because both of my grandmothers had Alzheimer's. Mm. And um, so, you know, so the APOE4 gene is associated with, with Alzheimer's risk and having two copies is, mm-hmm. means you have a much higher risk. Now you could have the APOE4 gene and never get Alzheimer's um, as well. So, you know, your genes aren't everything written in stone, but they're pretty close to it. Um, they definitely increase your risk significantly. Um, I, I Sometimes I become a little bit skeptical. And so, you know, we're, we're really... So on, on our website, we carry some pretty um, interesting, really excellent biomarkers of aging. And I have yet to find uh, the perfect company that is not too cost prohibitive for everyone to check their genome to make sure that they're getting at least a 30 time uh, review of the genes of interest and make sure that they're getting accurate data.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, uh, it's 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 at the moment it's still relatively new, and it's it's mostly a matter of getting enough uh, people uh, trying out these things and getting more data and information. And then we can have like bigger bigger picture. And uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, uh,
0: so if I don't have APOE four, um, you know, did my grandmother's, and um, if if not, then what what is the great risk uh, that? One might have towards those diseases i mean there are important things to know there there are things that uh you want to know so that you can take all of the steps necessary to uh, circumvent those diseases
1: yeah like it is it would be like a pretty big strategy to um, not know that you have like a certain risk like a big risk factor for some disease like cardiovascular disease alzheimer's and uh, yeah not not do anything about it (laughs) so if you know if you know these things then you can you know take precautionary measures and uh extend your lifespan in so doing and be like healthier
0: oh yeah because you know sometimes when people in their 20s they say oh well it doesn't matter to me now um so i'll worry about that later but actually you're you're already accumulating damage in your 20s and that you know there are a lot of um good uh strong powerful beliefs that in science we'll be able to already diagnose what you'll die of nearly Uh, exactly based on uh, the uh, work on the body, the biomarker work on the body in their 20s in the future, because we can already see the accumulation of atherosclerotic plaques and your genes will have a certain predisposition and how your microbiome is set up. It's a sort of a multi-omic view of the system. So um, yeah, I think it's it's really important to know all of your risks and to do the best you can uh, to subvert them And then in the meantime, you know, we'll work on the the gene therapies and hopefully have something available uh, when you need it in a timely manner.
1: So, you know, the game plan for most people at the moment would be to just uh, stay healthy as long as you can (laughs) until we get access (laughs) to these more technologies Then you can, uh, you know, escape this sort of uh, the current uh, longevity.
0: yeah the longevity velocity i think yeah. they call it so i you know the best thing to do is do a lot of testing learn about your genes learn about yourself and then you know when it comes time and you're interested then companies like ours you can dump all of that health data on us And then work with partner companies to get access to those type of technologies uh, that might benefit those those hallmarks or biomarkers that that you're experiencing. And then uh, you can be part of uh, helping us actually find the medical cures of the future.
1: Yeah, well, that's exciting uh, things. And uh, before I ask my last question, uh, where can people learn more about you and your work?
0: Oh, well, you can go to bioviva-science.com. We have a new website up. It doesn't have all of the information that the old website had up. It's more of a uh, shopping experience for for biomarker tests. But you can can look at the web. You can look at our website. Uh, You can go to integrative-health-systems.com. They're the company that does the consensual use gene therapies. And then... um, essentially, if you just wait and watch, in the next few months, uh, we should have uh, our first uh, research and development paper come out on uh, regenerative gene therapies. And we will have our first patient data. And we will release all of those on the website as well on our social media. So you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter. And um, yeah,
1: sounds good. We're going to put all the links in the show notes. And uh, my last question is uh what's this one piece of, of advice or habit you wish you adopted sooner?
0: Oh my gosh. Um let's see. I have been an advocate of exercise ever since my 20s luckily. Um I had um I had happened into exercise because I really uh needed it at the time. And um so that I'm glad that I've had um Gosh, my gosh, sleep is really important and COVID has been wonderful for my health as far as that goes. Um, I think that just recently, um, ironically with COVID, um, I've been a vegetarian for for decades. Um, I think that that's really good. I think that, you know, everything in moderation, you, you is, you know, a lower red meat diet is probably better for everyone. Right. Um, I I haven't done everything right but what I'm what I'm going to get to is that COVID uh, helped me realize that uh, sleeping better was really important Um, and it helped me actually uh reconnect with my family and i think that it's really important because often we're out there running we're doing we're uh trying to achieve something big for the world in a really what is too short period of time and i'm hoping to extend that but Mm. it's too short period of time of um the life uh, of when you actually are most productive and so um, I think that, you know, connecting, you know, with families, with humans, uh, with your friends is really important. And, and this last year reminded me of that. I got ca- all caught up with the people that I love and I spent time with them on the internet um, just learning what was up with them. And I think that it's really important. And meditation. I do wish that I would have started meditation sooner. I started meditation in about 2013 when my son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which is how BioViva came into existence. I was looking for cures for kids. And, um, treating aging just hang on there we've got a cat here that say hello (laughs) she's scratching me um that treating aging actually expedites cures for kids and so that's how we spun into being an aging company but um meditation is definitely something that I wish I would have done sooner.
1: Hmm. Yeah absolutely good that's a good good advice and uh yes uh yeah a lot of the times people um tend to take these things for granted and especially like even like social connections those things are have been found to be uh, beneficial for longevity and uh, people who have like families and friends they tend to live longer
0: (laughs) oh sure and they're and they're happier i think because um you know you're you have, you have an open line of communication with people who love you, with, with people that you can talk about, you know, the inner workings of your life and uh, uh, rather than uh, just maybe superficial things. And it's just really so important to have that in your life. Yeah. So yeah, definitely work on your social communication skills because the world really, we don't have a future. Even if we lived a really long time, if we can't get along, we don't have a future. And so you know the the trolls of the internet and those kind of people they they will they will fall by the wayside because their um social life is unhealthy
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that's We need to improve it for sure <laughs> well it was like really good uh, to talk with you and uh, yeah looking forward to your future work
0: thank you it was great to, that you had me on yeah what a nice what a nice uh weekend by day
1: all right that's it for this episode if you want to support us and leave us a review on iTunes and the other social media platforms. You can also share it with a friend. If you want to learn more about the topics that we discussed in this episode, then check out my new book, Stronger by Stress. But on that, thanks for listening to this episode. My name is Seem. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay empowered.